Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show, I speak to regional grass 10 champion Ed Payne about his family's decision to enter the dairy industry and how the team at Hilltop Dairies are hitting key production targets. A bit of background on the farm. My father and my uncle would have farmed a partnership all their lives. And um, just to, my cousin will say then took over that farm and he made the decision to go dairying. And then so that was nearly a joint effort between the two. Um, I suppose a new enterprise for me to return home to was something new and something fresh um, that myself and my father could both learn together. Um, we were looking for something, an enterprise that could stand on its own two feet. This farm traditionally would have been um, beef and sheep, um, had had a good single farm payment or whatever else. So that was looking challenged at the time. So we said that we wanted something that could stand on its own two feet apart from that. So that was main main couple of reasons, Emily. And in terms of the steps preparing to, to start dairy farming, what did you do? Yep. Um, so personally, I was studying away at the time. I was in um, Dundee studying business studies at the time. So I got a, a job there working on a very high input 200 cow farm there. That was sort of just to, in order just to get used to milking cows to see did I, did I actually like the processes, did I like the farming. Um, before we started milking on our own farm, the spring beforehand, I worked um, with a very good grass-based farmer here in Ireland, down in uh, in Waterford, where I worked a spring there alongside his manager there, where I learned you know a lot about grass-based system here in Ireland and how that worked. Um, so I suppose those two jobs were really um, my own personal experience into dairying, um, and just just to, to make to, to make sure that I, I did like the whole process or the, the enterprise that we were getting into. And I guess were those farms um, what dictated or informed your decisions around your production system? you know, starting off? Yeah, yeah, they certainly did. Um, and I suppose also, like, we knew we had an asset. We have we had a block of land all in one block of good grass-growing farms. So, like, we were always going to lean towards the more grass-based system. Um, that was, you know, and, and the advice coming from Chagas at the time, whatever else was was to go that way. Um, to working on the farm in Waterford, you know, I saw the pros and cons. Uh, the farm was very open there and very, you know, fit for communication. So I could see that I could see that the system was going to be something I could run on the home farm. Yeah. And then you started milking in 2011. Can you talk yeah. us through the evolution from the first milking on the farm to where you are today? Um, yeah, so um, I suppose at the time, I remember the first couple of milkings, um, my father would have never milked in his life and it was a whole new process for the farm. And after a couple of milkings, my father came to me and said, Jesus, you know, uh, you're actually quite good at this and it might be something that might work or whatever. And um, it was from there then, I suppose, we milked 140 heifers the first year. Um, and then it was just, a, you know, a natural progression from there on. Um, we just we just grew the herd and, and kept and kept going. Um like it was sort of a like it wasn't easy at times. We've had our challenges over the time, but we like you know you, like a steep learning curve is the best way. I suppose we got thrown in at the deep end. We had great support through Chagas and other people around us, great help, great mentors locally and other farmers and stuff that were t- gave us great tips along the way. And um, I'm not saying we're doing everything right yet, but we're certainly you know we're getting there. And in terms of doing everything right, can you talk us through some of the performance you're achieving? And maybe we'll talk through you know a full year of 2017, maybe. Uh, yeah, so uh, 2017, I suppose, uh, kilos milk size is what we're chasing here. We sold, um, still from a relatively young herd, um, 460 kilos, 456 kilos of milk size, which will be steadily growing since we started. Um, that, that's the twice they heard in Tulsk. Um, so, like, we've been pushing towards that. Um, we can grow well over 15 tonne of grass here. We have a good grass growing farm. So those are sort of the, 
the key performances we're heading for is to grow lots of grass and, and get it out as kilos of milk solids. Um, and in terms of grass, you know, you're saying you're growing a lot of grass and, you know, Pasture Base has told us that we can grow as much grass in, say, the north of the country as the south. But a lot of people in the northern half of the country might talk about the challenges of utilising grass. So what are you doing to drive grass utilisation? Um, yeah, there's a couple of key factors from the utilisation side of things, I suppose. Um, when this farm was set up, it was set up as a 200 cow farm. Uh, fortunately, we've got the opportunity to lease a couple of blocks of ground coming into us and we've, we've run a slightly heavier stock system. So we have a 200 cow farm with plenty of roads and it's, it's now ended up in over 300 cow farms. So we have good road access to a lot of paddocks, which is a huge asset in the spring. Um, so from an infrastructure point of view, we're, we are, we're, we're pretty pretty good, pretty strong. Um and then, like, we work very hard, I suppose. We won't put the edge on it. We work hard in the spring to get grass utilised, you know, on-off grazing from the first cow calved or, as, you know, as early in February as we can. Um, but I suppose the biggest thing with us in Louise over the years is just it's just the mental the mental change or the actual, um, you know, thinking that it can be done, you know, like giving grass a chance, so to speak. I've said it a couple of times, you know, that just... Um, if you if you you know if you believe in the system that that grass in the spring and that first round finished by whatever date suits your farm or whatever else you know and getting your thirty percent done your sixty percent done in time if you believe in that system and and work at it then it's going to work but if you if you start calving your cows in spring and already have yourself told that you're going to damage ground or you don't want to let cows out then you know you're you're fighting a losing battle before before you even let a cow out the gate like you need to you need to back the system uh, through thick and thin through that tough time in the spring. And then reassess what you did come May, June, or July. You know, have a look at grass growth for the spring. See the areas that you believed you poached. Then have a look back and see what you did. But like we would be consciously pushing, continuously pushing the boundaries here every spring to get out earlier, to get out for longer, and to get more grass into the system. And it's solely because we just we believe that the system is working. The quality of grass we have come April and May um, outstrips you know the work or the commitment that we have to put in earlier out earlier on in the year. So. Um, you can have all the roadways you want and you can have all, you know, the cows ready and the cows calved the right time of the year. But you just mentally need to be ready that the first opportunity that comes once it stops raining or whatever, you know, you walk your ground and every farm is different. We're fortunate we have a good fly farm here in Roscombe, but every farm is different. Um, that, you know, you, you just, you're just ready to go and you, you back the system. And I suppose it's, you know, really what I'm getting from you, it's an attitude and, and having yeah. having yourself in the right frame of mind and setting yourself up, you know, prior to the spring to, to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Have your pigtails ready, have your reelers ready, you know, have your couple of first paddocks, have them picked out early January before you get a couple of cows calved. You know, just like... You know, it's not. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Like we were, like every year, we're bringing we're bringing back the date we let cows out, and we're getting more grass in the spring. Like it, you don't you don't just all of a sudden become someone who lets cows out the first of February and get keeps them out. You know that takes you know it takes getting used to. It takes you know getting the skill set in place. And in terms of you know, in terms of utilization, we talk about say hitting. Uh, target numbers of grazings and you know you're right up there I, I saw from the grass 10 booklet from your open yeah. day you're achieving 10 grazings per year now the spring is one side of that you're getting out early um, but like talk through the rest of the year how are you achieving the 10 yeah so I suppose I be like I'd openly admit that maybe we were working so hard in the spring we were nearly getting um we were getting lazy, we were getting fatigued. Come into midsummer, we thought that all we had to do was just, you know, stay in a sort of 
middle and reasonable around 18 to 21 days and everything will be fine. But over the last couple of years, we're starting to focus now more on that area too. So like we're trying to rob a half or another full grazing in that sort of May, June, July time or June, July, August in this. Um, we're trying to redown, you know, really get into a fast rotation there, be it 16 or 18 days. This, this farm here in this part of the country can grow as like our farm in particular, like once we get going in May and June, um, like it really starts to kick off some grass. So we need to utilize that and really need to, you know, um, act on that. So uh, this year just gone now, 2018, we got down to our 14 or 16 day round for, for a month or a month and a half. And that was, you know, that's really trying to, trying to get round. Now there's pros and cons to that, obviously, but that's the system that we're going to try and run here to get into a, a very fast round midsummer, um, you know, to get more grazings off the farm and to get better quality grass into the cows consistently. And then finally, on on the utilisation side of things, mm. I think um, your stocking rate has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, you're running quite a high stocking rate on the milking platform. Yep, uh, we're sort of touching off that four mark. We're going to probably get up as far as the next year, all going well. Um it's this. It's always been the plan with this farm here. It when we started out, it didn't lend itself well to cutting a lot of silage. It's quite rocky and quite stony in that. So just um, we just decided that we were going to stock it quite heavily and bring bring a lot of the silage into the farm from from surrounding lease blocks. And so we've driven the stocking rate up as a result of that. And in some ways, it helps us. It helps us in the spring, and we don't have to go out at night probably for the first round um we just we can cat we can hit our targets by grazing during the day for that first round um and then during the summer then when we you know when we want to get grass grazed we have stock on hand during that very peak growth times and i'm talking about may june july august um where we're consistently hitting over 60 or maybe even over eight years like this obviously is an exception but we're consistent we're used to consistently hitting over 60 or 70 for those months and with no with you know, with no variable or no risk factor there, like one, you know, we can get the moisture here, so we can guarantee grass into cows at at a fairly high level for those four months, and we just we run a system where we have the cows ready to do that. Um, it doesn't suit everyone, but it's it's the system we're running here. And I guess you know when you consider you're growing 15, 16 tonnes of grass consistently. Now, we mentioned this year is a slight yeah. exception. Um, you know, growing that level of grass and, you know, 80 kilograms for May, Ju- May, June, July, August. You know, it's a very yeah. comfortable stocking rate to carry on the farm. Um, you yeah. know, you are supplementing with 850 kilos of concentrate. Now, for yeah. somebody who, you know, really pushes the grass-based system, it does seem slightly high. But it's, I guess, a reflection of stocking rate. Have you any comment on concentrate levels? Yeah, it's. I suppose it's got to. It's got to a system like we we keep a tight eye on what we feed the cows, but we we that's a figure we calculate towards the end of the year. We don't run a tally during the year that we cannot cross X amount, or we must be under, or you know, we're beating ourselves with a stick. At the end of the year, for interest sake, we calculate what we fed per cow. But whatever the cow needs to get during the year, she gets that. Obviously, that you know, that's a no-brainer. But. Um, Again, we're in the part of the country where springs are tough and springs are wet. There needs to be a fair bit of concentrate put in. Obviously, people are going to argue if I held, if I held that lower stocking rates, then I could feed less. That's that, that's obvious. But then once we get into summer, I just don't want a system where we're cutting bales for five months of the year every week or every every 10 days. So, um, yeah, concentrates may be too high. Um, but again... Um, the system on that farm is in place and seems to, seems to work quite well for us. And the the 850 kilos is, you, you mentioned the spring, um, you know, there's a lot of feed going in. Is yeah. Mid-season, is it completely cut? 
No, it's no, uh, for calmer reasons only. We okay. um, we we would suffer badly if we cut meal out here completely we'd have to put town in we've tried other systems or whatever but just for economics and for ease of work and for whatever else we do keep a minimum feeding rate for calmag all summer okay and then you're back in then in the autumn to stretch yeah. out the feed we would feed we would feed more we would go more towards surplus bales in the autumn rather than upping meal levels um and in order to try and keep that down but in the spring we tried to buffer as much as we can with high with fairly high levels of meal like well i say high we go to four or five kilos um, we would rarely go over four and a half or five kilos. And then in the back end, we would rarely go over three. And I suppose then if we consider cow type, um, yep. what what did you start off with with those original 140 heifers? Yeah, so in 2009, we bought most of those heifers as calves in order to rear them on the farm and calve them in 11. And we pretty much bought everything that was available at the time. Um, we had advice from Chogs to try and buy high EBI if we could. And we did with chased EBI best we could. But we bought anything from a high yield in Holstein down to a crossbred. And so we had a fairly mixed bag of a, of a herd, let's say for the first couple of years. Um, and then through milk recording and through whatever else we've, you know, we picked our good cows. We were selectively breeding with beef for a couple of years and some of our poorer cows, but um, we've always bred, like we've always bred with high EBI uh, black and whites. Um, in recent years, we're going a little bit more towards using some more crossbreds since the herd size is growing. But um EBI has done us no wrong since we started and we'd be, you know, we would back that system wholly. And you're talking about the growing herd size is leading you to lean towards the crossbreds a little bit. Can you explain what your reason is behind that? Um, yeah, so I, I say to anyone or any group that comes in, I suppose if I had a smaller herd number, maybe under 200, I would probably be leaning towards more of a, a high EBI herd. Um, maybe that's just a preference for the type of cow, even coming from a suckler background. It's just the type of cow maybe we'd be used to looking at or, you know, more more keen on. Um, but now that the herd size is growing, um, it just seems to make more sense to run a more herd management system instead of an individual cow management system. So um, with that in mind, either a, a very like a high maintenance figure EBI, which is a very good cow or a, or a crossbred. That's sort of where the herd is going now. We're, we're, we're looking more towards that maintenance figure in EBI. And then to reflect based on the the cow type and, you know, your feeding system, you mentioned you're producing about, 400, about 456 kilos of solids per cow last year, which mm. is just shy of 1,700 kilos of gra- kilograms of milk solids per hectare. So that's like a, a very, very high level of production. Um, and, you know, based on the feeding level, the feeding level is is very average, you know, when we consider what's happening nationally. You know, you're setting out ambitious targets to produce, um, say, 200 or 2,000 kilograms of solids yeah. per hectare. How are you going yeah. to achieve that? Um, yeah, I suppose there's three or four main areas there. There's obviously breeding uh, to continue to improve the herd, what solids they can throw, like percentages they can throw off. Um, grassland management is still um, room for improvement there. Um, we re- the whole farm is receded. That's probably another area. Um, and then, like we have a compact calving, there's areas there where there can be more kilos of milk solids. And like I said, we will increase the stocking rate slightly, so it will be a, like a, a fraction of a cow more per hectare. But those are the main areas we're focusing on to try and hit that two k mark per hectare. Um, and look, I'm not saying it's I haven't done it obviously, and until I've done it, I can't say it's achievable. But it's definitely a target that I see 
is a realistic target, let's put it that way. And I suppose just to pick up then in terms of just the per cow performance, you mentioned the herd is still growing in terms of maturity. What age is the herd? Uh, last year, we were averaging 2.7 lactations and that would probably have been the oldest herd we've milked to date. Now we're back with 60% of the herd milking this year as heifers. So we've got another, we've taken another whop from that point of view. So it's just like, and, and our call rate would be, would be you know quite acceptable. It'd be under 20, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just the expansion mode is drawing us to bring in a lot of heifers every year. And that is, is really a drain on um, performance per cow. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, as the herd matures, you would expect yeah. the solids per cow is going to also increase. Absolutely. Yeah. So last year was the highest kilos milk solids per cow we've sold and it's the oldest herd we've had. So That's it for part one of my interview with Ed Payne. Tune in next week when Ed gives us his top tips for managing labour. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts and for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.